Many of you know that I had an opportunity to spend some time recently in India visiting a number of our partners over there and uh, you uh, perhaps have heard the story of David and Mel who are working with textiles in northern India, actually just right in the foothills of the Himalayas in an area called Rajpur. And while we were there, we got to meet uh, Dad and his son. And I, I think that David Chan and I met uh, this gentleman probably about three or four years ago when we were there uh, last time. And um, his, the dad was in really rough shape. And the son uh, was born without any capacity to be able to hear. And dad and his son were literally living on the street. Uh, the dad was struggling with alcohol, and his life was just a mess and over. His, the mom had left uh, the two of them behind because the, when the son uh, was born without an ability to hear, in that culture, that's considered clear evidence that God has cursed you and your family. And uh, so she left. Uh, didn't want to be anything about this curse from the divine powers that are out there. And uh, so dad and the son that he just uh, really loved, and that was evident, were um, left on the street. Well, somebody in that community uh, noticed this and knew about uh, uh, um, Join, uh, join Textiles, Join India, is what is J-O-Y-N-I-N-D-I-A.com, uh, and uh, brought this dad and the son uh, to the facility, to the place where they have, well, 150 employees now. They didn't back then. And it said, you've you got to do something for them. You've got to do something for them. And you can imagine, I, I, well, we, I, I can't imagine. Who could imagine what it's like to have no ability to hear anything that's going on in the world around you? And particularly for a little kid, all the rage and emotion and stuff that was just built up in a life like that. And so... There they were. Well, we got to walk into this place and see this dad and see this young man. I want to show you a picture of the dad, first of all. Now, he's working um, uh, in stamping uh, textiles here. Uh, and there you can see him. Looks up. Big grin on his face. And then he wanted to see the video after that was over with. But he's got this incredible, incredible job now uh, that's available for him. And then, and then there his, is his son who um, has now learned uh, to speak in sign language because that's what they decided to do. They were going to somehow get this young boy in a place where he could actually answer. We walked, we drove up, pulled up, opened the doors, and this kid comes running at us. And he wants us to know his name in sign language, of course, but he's just a bundle of energy and a bundle of joy. And he wanted me to take a video of him. And so here we see him in action. <laughs> Just a really cool, cool story of what God did in that situation. And can you imagine what it must be like to be in, a, in, a, in a, a, a life, in a world where you just don't have any capacity to communicate, to hear, or to even know how to communicate, and the frustration that can be a part of that. And then to walk into this new light and have this progressive ability to communicate more and more. I actually think that that's what God intends for all of us and his hope is for all of us, this gift that he wants to give us of an ability to hear and to discern what is best. That's what we're looking at in Philippians chapter 1. And God, God, we believe God has us on a journey. We're asking God, God, who are we and where are we headed? 
And we're doing that as a church family. In a few weeks, we're going to gather together and start going through that process together. And we believe God has given us some help along the way, that we've moved from the complexity to the simplicity on the other side of complexity and can't wait to share with you some of the things that we've asked God for and we've heard from him and then ask you to speak into it and help us to move forward with the process. Uh, and uh, there's a sense of joy in that, of just a sense that, yeah, God has a future for us. And it was really, we were really reminded of, a, a, of that in just a really practical way this past month. You know, the Hillcrest leadership team and others talked to you about the financial needs that we thought we needed uh, to finish up the year with in order to walk with energy and without having to hesitate into the rest of the year starting in January. And um, Meg, uh, who is our uh, business person, walked into my office just this week with this huge grin on her face. And the Hillcrest leadership team says, you know, if, if God would give us the generosity of this church family a $400,000 month in December, it would just be a huge help to us in moving forward in ministry. And Meg came in and she said, Mark, $415,000, $450. And so we're just so grateful for that. And it's just, yeah, that's right. Praise God for that. And in addition to that, branching out bearing fruit, which allows us to be able to use this facility and pay for uh, the expenses that were occurred in that, it was over $30,000 that was given to that. And the translation of the Bible into a Tibet uh, Tibetan language. Uh, our target was, our hope was we could raise $10,000. We're, we're over $15,000 and moving. And Bakash, we hope, will be able to be with us from Nepal and part of that uh, process and excited about it. When they heard this news that we were already into halfway to funding the whole Bible being translated, they're, they're going, they're, they're moving forward. And so it's just such a reminder that God has a future for us in ministry and in his mission in the world. So our purpose this morning is for what we want God to do to speak to us as a congregation, as a church family. He would speak into our lives as people. So would you join me in prayer as we get into our text for this morning? God, we do thank you for your rich gifts to us, for your generosity, and the way that it just uh, uh, reminds us again of uh, your calling on our life. And Lord, I pray that as we look at your word and as we look at this desire you have for us to hear your voice, that you would speak to us through your word and my words and through what your Holy Spirit does. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We began this process last week and we talked about discernment and discernment is, discernment is different than decision making. Uh, you can go back and uh, listen online to what we talked about last week, but just kind of as a thumbnail sketch, Discernment is about us actually receiving a gift from God where in the end we say, thank you for that. It's not telling up the pros and cons and wrestling with it and uh, you know, just really wrestling over, well, this or that or what should it be and, and coming to at the end of it a decision where you say, okay, that's the decision we had to make. We have to do that sometimes, but that's not what God wants for us is the way we live our life. He wants something more for us. He actually wants to give us a gift well, where there will be work involved in it, but in the end of it, we have this keen sense that we actually heard God say something to us, that we actually were given a gift by God of insight into what we ought to do, how we ought to think, uh, a direction for our life. And if that's the case, if it's a gift that God gives to us, 
there's some things we have to do along the line. The first thing we talked about last week, and it's the way the Philippians is introduced in verse 1 and 2. Paul describes our relationship with God, and he says, we're the slaves. He owns us, and he's the master. And fortunately, he's a, he's a really good master, but he is the master. And so the first step in discernment is us living a life of surrender to him. Understand what this means. If I surrender to him and I obey what he has for my life, he's responsible for the outcome of my obedience. I'm only responsible for obeying. Regardless of what happens, he's responsible for the outcome of it. Some in our congregation last week said, you know, Mark, I went out and I bought a car and the person who was driving it home totaled it on the way home and I didn't have insurance on it yet. Um, and it, I mean, that's a blow. And I said, you know what I've said to God in situations like that? I said, God, that was just kind of a crazy way to spend your money. I mean, if it's all his, right, he gets to decide. And there have been times in my life where I said, boy, I don't know if I would have done that one. Uh, but, but, but there's kind of the sense that I'm not responsible for the outcome. I just, if God calls me to obey, I'm walking into it, and then he gets to be in charge of what happens with it. That's what that relationship is about. That's important, but it's not the whole. It's not enough, actually, to, uh, to, to have the sense that we heard God say something to us and we're responding to it. Because we've seen it even this week. Religiously devout people, uh, no doubt they had this conviction that they heard God say something to them, and 16 people in Paris are dead today as a result of it. Because of people who said, I was just listening to what God told me to do. So there are really two imperatives that have to go with this obedience to God. And the first is this, to be sure we're listening to God, right? To be sure we're listening to the one who made the world. And from the beginning of this book, the first chapter of it, we're introduced to the character of who he is. And we know from the outset, he is a good and beautiful God. He loves us. He, 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 he loves every person, and he is good, and he is beautiful. And us being able to measure whether we're listening to God or not um, ties in with our understanding of what the, the gospel is, the good news that God has for us. And, and if, if we hear God say to us something that um, cannot be discerned not only by us but by the people around us as good and beautiful— we need to ask ourselves whether we're actually listening to God, the one who, who made the world and is described in this book in the ways that we see him, full of grace and mercy and truth and goodness. Be sure we're listening to God. The second imperative is just like the first. Be sure we're listening to God. Be sure we're listening to God. And there's work involved in that, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Uh, there are two points I really want us to address this morning and then look at the applications for it. The first one is this, to understand how God speaks to us. To understand how he speaks to us. And then secondly, to understand what it is he speaks to us about. And both of those things are important. The first is this, understand how God speaks to us. He does speak. And this is what Paul was praying for here in Philippians chapter 1. He prays that we grow in knowledge and depth of insight. And the word knowledge here isn't just simply uh, knowledge about something. It's, it's uh, applied knowledge for life. The content of faith is not an elevated biblical IQ. I know more than you do. The content of faith is 
what I know I've actually applied to my life. This isn't about us walking around with a catalog of Bible facts and saying, I am a really mature Christian. This is about us understanding what the Bible has to say and actually using it in our lives in a way that people can see what the Bible has to say. They can see what God is like as a result of it. It means that we will be characterized by more and more insight. But you can see the progression of this, right? It is something that we grow in our ability to be able to do. This is a skill we acquire over time. And I would imagine that there are a number of us in this room that say, you know what, I just don't have any time. I need an answer, and I need an answer right now. And I will just say to you, I can't help you with that. Because that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about an ability over time to acquire growing knowledge and depth of insight from the God who wants to speak to us. Uh, It is not knowledge about, but the word knowledge here, embedded in that word knowledge here, is intimate knowing that comes from experience or personal relationship. So it's a context of a relationship with God in which we discover knowledge because we are engaged in an experience with God in the course of our life and we have a personal relationship with him along the way. So God's intention for us is it starts early. Those of you that are younger in this room, uh, pay attention to this. Uh, it, it, it matters. Figure out how to learn to discern God's voice. Because you're going to come to the same place other people have come to in this room where they say, I just need to know now. I need to understand. And the issues and the challenges get more and more complicated. So don't, don't, don't walk away from this. Learn, even as a young person, begin to engage in this process of how can I hear God's voice in my life along the way? And for those of us that are older, well, we just gotta, we just gotta you know, do, do speed learning here. Uh, and that's what we're trying to do in the context of our small groups for us to be able to work on this and and work together and encourage each other and help each other along the way. How does he speak? Well, I think we have these images, don't we? One of my images came from the Wizard of Oz. You remember that? There's Dorothy and her companions in this great big awesome room with pyrotechnics all around. I don't know if there was smoke there or not, but in my mind there was. And there was just this booming voice and this this uh, fearful presence, and, and there was a sense that that's how people in authority, that's how supernatural people communicate um, when they want to do it. And, and you can get that sense of, well, that's when I hear God. And you know what? For some of us, we say, you know, I've never heard that before. God's never spoken to me. We're actually helped by Scripture here in what we see and how we see God speaking in the past. When we go back to the story of 1 Kings chapter 19, there's actually this this story that's beneficial to us. The Lord, it says, appears to Elijah. And God tells Elijah, I want you to, I want you to, um, I want you to go to a place in a mountain. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and scattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. 
And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard this, he put the cloak over his face and God spoke to him. It's not that God can't do those other things. In fact, even in this story, he does. It's that he speaks with a whisper. He acts with force and power that no human being can fathom. But when he speaks, he speaks to us with a quiet voice. It reminds us of the wisdom that comes from the psalmist in Psalm 16 in verse 7. It says this, I praise the Lord who counsels me. I praise the Lord who speaks to me. Even at night my heart instructs me. You see, in the quietness of the night, when all of the noise is gone, the psalmist is instructed. It says, even in my heart the Lord instructs me. That's how he does it. It, it comes from here. He, he actually places his voice inside of us. God speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. You know, remember when Jesus was about to leave the earth and he said, I'm going to give you a gift and it's, it's going to be better than what you've had. The gift that they had was the presence of Jesus. And they got to walk with Jesus. They got to listen to his voice. They got to hear his instructions. They got something better for you. You've been listening to me from the outside. I'm going to plant the Holy Spirit on the inside. And there's a, there, there is something that is intense about hearing the voice of the Lord, not when it comes from out there, but when it is right inside and it directly impacts my thinking and my emotions. Jesus said, I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit, and he will indwell us. And do you know what that means? That means that when you hear God speak to you, you will hear it right in here. That's where you'll hear it. You know, your friends, you've seen this before, haven't you? When your friends might say something to you, um, but, but then they say that thing. And nobody else in the room notices it. But it hit you right there. Do you know why? Because the Spirit is speaking. Nobody else noticed it. <laughs> oh, but you did. Or when Scripture's read you know, you just read the next verse and the next verse, and it's good and it's helpful, but there, there's somebody in the room, and there's just a sense of gripping certainty that God just said to them what they needed to hear. Do you know what that is? That's the Spirit who indwells us as believers in Jesus Christ, speaking to us, and nobody else noticed it. You know, it's kind of like everybody else, did you, did you, did you feel the ground tremble? <laughs> No, it didn't do that. Oh, but it did. Right, right in here. And, and we're going to talk about this in our small group conversations during the course of this week. This promise, this gift that God, that Jesus uh, said that he would give to us, where the Spirit 
indwells us and the Spirit illuminates us and the Spirit intercedes for us. And some of the primary study and interaction is going to be around this. What does it look like? What are the stories you've experienced? How do we cultivate that in our walk with the Lord along the way? That'll be part of small group discussion. You know, I heard about a small group this week, small group of people, and uh, someone had mentioned a decision that they had recently made uh, to, to give attention to a particular area of their life. And, um, and um, it was like, that's really cool, that's really great. But for one person in that room, it was electric. It was electric. You see, God does that, doesn't he? Don't you want to be that person who walks into that room, maybe with somebody who you care about deeply, and, and, and then just anticipate what the, what the Holy Spirit will do? Because did you notice in this text, when Paul talks about us being able to discern what is best, he's not talking about you in isolation, you in isolation, or me in isolation. He's talking to a group of people here. And through that group of people, his intention is that together we might be able to discern what is best along the way. You know why? Because I think you might even be asking this question, all right, Mark, how do you know that wasn't indigestion? How do you know that that... That, that sense that a person had or you had inside isn't your personal hobby horse, and I've heard it over and over again. Or how do you know that you're not prejudiced by bias or there's a besetting sin that's getting in the way of it? Well, we're gonna talk about some of the elements of this in the weeks to come. We're gonna talk about the importance of scripture and we're gonna talk about the importance of prayer and taking time to listen, but there is this piece of it and it is that God puts us together in community. God puts us together into groups where someone can say, you know, Mark, that wasn't indigestion. That wasn't. Uh, that's not a personal hobby horse for me. I, I, I've never heard you say that before. That just help us to be able to know this feeling that I had, it's God speaking to me. And that's what we have here. We have a God who speaks to us and God speaks to us through his spirit. And isn't it interesting, actually, that God even speaks I mean, to me, that's like so amazing. I mean, this person writes this book and finishes it up and say, okay, there you go, and walks away. Read it, hope it's helpful to you. God doesn't do that. He says, here it is. I finished it. 2,000 years ago, I finished it. And guess what? Now we're gonna talk. We're gonna have a relationship with each other. And we're gonna be engaged life on life. And I'm gonna speak to you. And this gets the second point of what we're talking about here, how God speaks. He speaks with gentleness of voice. In the example we saw, we saw him speaking um, with a whisper. Do you remember hearing about Tony Dungy after he won the Super Bowl back in 2007? Indianapolis Colts won. And uh, one of the players on the, one of the interviews afterwards said one of the things that was most fascinating to me, and it's been picked up, and the NFL was talking about this, about ways, strategies for coaching in the NFL these days. And uh, the player said this, I have, uh, Tony Dungy never once raised his voice with me. Other people have said it, you know, seldom if ever did any player ever hear Tony Dungy raise his voice. And this athlete said, and you know what it did to us as a team? We just gathered close and we listened. And you know what? Because he never raised his voice, guys all over the NFL wanted to play for that guy. 
And isn't it interesting that there is this, there is a sense there's no need for me to elevate the volume. Uh, there's a sense of closeness and respect and regard that comes when there's not a megaphone involved. It's hard to have a relationship with a person through a megaphone, isn't it? And that gets to, the, to what we see here. And it's this, that that's why God speaks to us. Because he wants a relationship with us. He wants to be connected. I think I get that. I get that with my daughters, my sons now. Just a sense of connection with them. And you know when my kids, when my girls wouldn't kind of break my lap when they, they can't do it anymore, jump on my lap. But I'm telling you, when they were kids, they, I, I craved that time. I still crave it. It just looks a little differently. Uh, but there's, there's something that a father loves about that. You know, when my girls would come to me, it was like, this is worth a million dollars. Just have them on my lap. And, and you know what? I didn't even care what the conversation was about. There was a season where it was about beanie babies. Do you think I care about beanie babies? No, but when my daughter did, I was a major investor in Beanie Babies <laughs> because it mattered to her and she mattered to me. Now imagine this. I mean, she could have, one of them uh, could have thought strategically and says, boy, I, I, I can work this. I, I jump in dad's lap and I look at him and I put a great big smile on my face and I give him a little hug and I talk about the next Beanie Baby that I want to buy. Dads are smart enough. And the Beanie Baby uh, 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 conduit of dad giving Beanie just, just quits at that point. Why? Because it was never about the Beanie Baby for dad. And when it becomes about that and not the relationship, dads are smart enough to figure that out. Now, that daughter would say, hey, dad's not listening to me anymore. No, 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 no. No. What's going on is... is Dad still knows what that child most needs. It's what a dad appreciates and desires, but it's what a daughter needs. More than a beanie baby, a daughter needs to know, and I, I know as a son, needs to know that there's a father that loves them. Beats everything. That's it. To know that they're loved. And that's what God wants for you and for me, for us to know that we're loved. In fact, that's primarily why he's in the conversation. That's what matters to him most. Second piece of this, and to understand what it is that God then will speak to us about, is actually described in this prayer at the very beginning of it. I, you know, we, we talked about those six words, able to discern what is best. But there's actually context for us, and Paul sets it up in, in chapter one where he even begins this prayer. And he begins the prayer, and he talks about not only who God is and who they are, but 
who they are together in their role in life. And he says this, I thank my God, verse 3, every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. That's what God is going to speak to us about. That's the reason why it's important for us to be able to discern what is best is because we're partners in the gospel. This is the reason why it's important to discern. We're not talking about discernment in regards to some of the things I think we hope it might be. God, I have lost my keys. Would you give me the ability to discern where they are? You know, that's what I need you for. You know, where I'm about to take a trip, do I take, you know, Interstate 80 or do I take 70? Would you you just let me know? You know, or we might, we might say, you know what, the um, mega bucks lottery is coming up. Could you just give me the numbers ahead of time? I'm listening. <laughs> and yet here we see actually what it is he speaks to us about. Uh, able to discern what is best is about our engagement or our partnership in the gospel. In fact, the word depth of insight there, the word insight there has moral overtones. It means it's substantial in significance for the way a life moves forward. And so here's how we can figure out what God is going to do with us. And I'm gonna ask you to do a little exercise with us. And I hope you got one of these postcards when you came in here this morning. And I'd like to ask you to take a pen or pencil or whatever it is to the other side. I would invite you to be able to do that. Uh, some of you, if you don't have it, you may uh, wait. I would invite you to, to wait till, till later. But This is about partnership in the gospel, and I want you to just do an exercise that will help you to think about the categories in your life that God might want to be speaking to you about, or you want him to speak to you about. It's the gospel, do you remember? Can we put that up on the uh, the screen behind us? The gospel, there are four parts of it. That God is good and beautiful, and that's the gospel, it's good news. The second is this, that God tells us the truth about our brokenness. The third piece of it is that God rescues us and restores our relationships with him and with other people. And then the fourth part of it is that God calls us on an adventure. So when I'm going to discern um, what is best and I'm able to hear God's voice, it's going to revolve around these, the gospel and these four pieces of it. So let me just walk it through and ask you a couple questions and you may be able to fill in the blanks for yourself. Things that are good and beautiful. And I might ask God, God, I want to hear your voice. I want to know how to love that person in my life that is so different from me. That person who's in our neighborhood, I, I, my, my life is completely and categorically different. Um, would you help me to know how to bring goodness and beauty into their life and into our relationship? I'm clueless. What does it mean for me to walk into their life and be the character of who you are. Be good and be beautiful. God, I, I need to know how to do that. I, I need to know what words to use. I'm walking into a situation and I don't want to use words that are destructive and tear people down. You're a God who's good and beautiful and I want to be a partner in the gospel. And so God, what are words that I can use that are life-giving rather than uh, life-destroying? God, God is all about that. God's going to speak right to us about those things. Or what efforts would create good and beautiful things? You heard by video uh, just a little while ago, Shirley Pazadik was telling the story of what they were doing in their business where they were actually moving into a teacher's lounge in a really, really um, rough area of Kansas City, Missouri. 
And uh, she was talking about the surprise it was going to be. Well, I got to see Shirley this morning, and she said the faces were just wide-eyed with wonder as those teachers walked into that room and saw the transformation of that place that said, we love you and we care about you. And she said relationships and trust have just been built uh, uh, dramatically as a result of it. You know, that sense of hearing God's voice and saying, yeah, that would be good and beautiful, wouldn't it? And I actually think, God, you're... You're inviting me to be part of that. The second thing is to tell us that God tells us the truth about our brokenness. We say, God, would you please speak to me about the blind spots in my life? Show me the besetting sin. I want to know it. I want to be aware of it. And, and, and we ask God for the ability to discern that. Uh, we want to partner in the gospel with holiness and and purity of motives and character that reflects the character of God. We ask God to show us the, the, uh, the broken places, and he will. Show me, Lord, the impact of my actions. If I'm doing things that hurt other people, dear God, would you show it to me? He's all about. The third aspect of the gospel is that God uh, uh, um, rescues us and restores our relationship with him. And some of you might say, God, I just need right now to know that you still love me. I need to know, I need to feel your forgiveness. Because right now, it just feels like we're miles away from each other I don't even know if you want me back or engaged. But that's what I need. Would you please speak to me about that? Or say, you know, my identity has just been rocked recently. I, I need, would you tell me again who I am? I need to know I matter. That you you actually gather me under the shadow of your wing. Would you please just show me it's true? You know, this is, I think, one of the reasons why God helps me find my keys, and I do pray for that. <laughs> and I think one of the reasons why is he just wants to let me know that he notices my life. <laughs> and so I pray for my keys, and he helps me to be able to find them. It's just a thought just goes through my head. And it's like God says, yep, Mark, just wanted you to know, even the small things. Oh, I love you. We're not far away from each other. I'm right here. There's a gospel in that, isn't there? And then the fourth aspect of it, that God sends us on an adventure. Maybe you're asking God, I need to know how my work can be less about making a living and more about living a life. God, would you show that to me? What I get to do with the things I control and the place I am? How can I honor you in my work? When I walk into that setting Monday morning, would you just, would you give me the ability to discern what is best to do and to say and to interact there? Who should I notice? Who should I reach out to? Alpha starting on Monday. I would encourage you to say, God, would you give me a name, a face, a, a person that you might want me to go to Alpha with? 
so that they can have a fresh look at the beauty of the gospel and the Christian life. Do you see, or how, how should I serve? How should I use the energy and the resources of my life? God, would you help me to be able to discern those things? So anyway, I hope that just kind of helps you think about it. Partnership of the gospel, able to discern what is best. It comes down to those kinds of things that God mostly wants to talk to us about and the ways that he does it along the way. Let me mention a couple of action points and then we'll pray in conclusion. The first is schedule time for listening. Schedule time for that. We're going to be talking a little bit about this probably about a, you know, four or five weeks from now, but schedule time for listening. In your small groups, we're actually going to talk about journaling and how to maybe reincorporate that, or at least for this period of time. Just schedule some time for listening, and the discipline of having a journal to write things down is a great tool for listening. And actually, it's a great way to discover the things that you're learning and the process of learning and growth that's taking place along, along the way. But this is the other thing. I would like, I would invite you, based on what you just did with those elements of the gospel, to list three issues in your life that you need God to speak into during this season of discernment. To take three things that you need or you think, uh, that, that you long for God to speak into in your life during the season where we're going through the process of discernment. And my hope is that by the time we're done here, maybe even in the middle of it, there will be stories that will be coming out of small groups that we'll share in, in the hallways with each other and say, <laughs> it's real. God does it. And, 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 and he's given me clarity on this. Pick three things. And bring them to God and say, God, I, I need you to speak into my life in regards to those three things. You know, in the middle of the book of Acts, uh, leaders of the church got together, and in Acts chapter 15, they were trying to discern what God had for them, and then they wrote a letter to all of the other believers in other places. In Acts chapter 15, they write in this letter, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. I love that. It, it seemed, it's, it's a process, right? It's, it's learning. It, it, seemed, it seemed, it seemed good not just smart, but good, and there's goodness in it. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit, and we partner with the Holy Spirit in this process. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. And so we move forward. My prayer is that we will be able to say that over and over again, not only during this season, but as we walk through the rest of our life. Would you pray with me? To me, Father, we, we do pray that our love may grow more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that we may be able to discern what is best. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.